Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. We finished the book of Revelations. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're just going to, I'm just going to uh, thing here in uh, probably a week or so. And, uh, but we'll, for tonight, we're going to be in Philippians chapter number 2. And I want to preach on striving together in unity. The Bible says there in Philippians chapter number 2, in verse number 1, Philippians 2.1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and, and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the, the depth of it. I thank you for the accuracy of it. I thank you for the inspiration of it. God, I pray that you would use me this evening. I pray, Father, uh, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts. I pray that you would encourage each and every believer. God, I pray that you would help us to be uh, striving together in unity, God, and as is written here, uh, not in strife or vainglory, Father, but for your honor, for your glory, having your mind on these things. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Uh, Vacation Bible School was truly a, uh, a, a, I would call it a success this year, and uh, it went well, and there was great unity, and I appreciate that. It was really while we were doing uh, that, that, that God kind of put on my mind, hey, we need, a, uh, we need to be reminded of unity. Not that we did not have unity, because we did, uh, but really, if we do not work on things, uh, everything tends to disorder. That's actually the second law of the thermodynamics, and, uh, and that's exactly what it says. Everything tends towards disorder. And, and let me say this, that unity does not happen by accident. It's on purpose. Uh, and, and it's because uh, we strive to work together towards that same end goal uh, that brings us together. And, uh, and it's so important, just as uh, that whole idea of everything tends towards disorder, just as a car, as time goes on, uh, the car does not get better, okay? If your car gets better, then I want to trade you cars, okay? Because they don't exist. What happens with cars, um, and, and it doesn't matter if you leave it set in your garage or you take it out on the road, it is Things are just going to go wrong with a vehicle the longer that you own it. The same thing's true with a house. The same thing is true with a building. And, and, and that's why we maintain and that's why we upkeep those things because they're, they're, it's important. It's something that we have to do. And, and so while we have good unity, and that is certainly a good thing and a, a thing that we appreciate, we must continue to work towards and at that unity. 
If we think, well, man, we are doing good, we're unified, hey, then we, we need to continue to work at that. Because otherwise, if we just, I've got this, we're just going to let it go, then before long, it all comes unraveled and it all becomes a mess. And so it's something that we have to continually work at and something that we continually have to uh, strive towards. And so uh, in, 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 um, in with our theme this, this year of striving together, we need to continue to strive together in unity. In our text this evening, in Philippians chapter 2, I really just want to look at one verse, and uh, one verse really kind of stands out to me more as a threefold way of mentioning being uh, in unity. And that's verse number, four, number two. He says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. I love verse number five because he clarifies and he says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the only way for all of us to be on board and be unified as we strive together is that uh, we have the mind of Christ in our mind. Uh, if, if, if we're talking computers, and I like computers, now some of you might, might lose some of you on this, but just bear with me. If I, could, if I could just hit the delete button on your mind and reprogram it to that of the mind of Christ, boy, then unity would go well. It would be easy. Uh, but the reality is we have our mind. And, and we have to continually uh, reprogram our own mind to be that of the mind of Christ. And, uh, and so we understand that. But I want to look at this verse because the Bible says here in verse number 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Now, we need that idea of like-mindedness, why well, I looked that word up, uh, and like-minded only shows up in the Bible three different times. Imagine that. And uh, I thought, boy, that's unique. It shows up, of course, here in Philippians chapter number two. It actually shows up twice, once here in, the, in our, our verse that we read, and then once further down in that same chapter. And then it also shows up, uh, if I remember properly, in the book of Romans. Uh, and both of them were Pauline epistles that he wrote. But, uh, but the idea of like-minded is having a, a like disposition or purpose. So we'll take that word and we'll say, hey, that we all need to have the same purpose. That's the idea of unity. And so as we look at this, that's the first thing that I want us to notice is having the same, the same purpose. Now I want to, I, I want, bear with me, I want to I run this thought for a moment. And that is uh, obedience versus uh, completing a task. Now you're saying, man... Uh, I'm going to split some hairs here in a moment, all right? We're, we're getting really detailed in this. But, but if, you've, uh, if you've been a parent uh, or you've worked on a project with somebody that did not want to work on that project, then, then you completely are going to understand this. If, if when, when my kids were younger, okay, when they were younger, I would ask them, hey, come help me work on the car. I need your help to do this. 
And, and you know how kids are. And it didn't matter if I was fixing the car, fixing the wall, fixing the... It didn't matter what I was doing. Whatever project it is, I'm doing a project. You're doing a project. You ask your kids, come help me. And, and if your kids are like mine, and I suspect they are, they showed up, but their mindset was not, okay... Dad is trying to change the brakes on this car, so how can I be of assistance in helping him to change the brakes on this car? That was not their mindset. You know what their mindset was when they showed up? My dad told me that I had to be here and help him, therefore in body I am here. And they'll twiddle their thumbs. They'll bring their toy car, they'll play there in the dirt, but they will not get involved in the project unless I say, go to my tool bag and get me a wrench. What's a wrench? I'll get the wrench myself. You understand what I'm saying? Because, and, and it, it, that's all children. I, I, you, that's just the nature of it. That's the nature of somebody that is involved in a project that really uh, does not, they're not interested in doing the project. Now they are interested in being obedient. So your children do show up and they do what is asked of them. But there is a far cry between obedience and seeing the entire job and saying, hey, I want to be involved in this job and I want to help make this job go smoother and become accomplished faster. And whether it's baking a cake, making a dozen cookies, fixing the car, or whatever the task may be, uh, the, the, the idea there is just simple obedience and showing up and doing what you're supposed to do versus, hey, I want to get involved in this task and I want to see it completed and if I actually uh, put myself into this task, then it will be completed much faster. You understand what I'm saying? And, and listen, uh, many times my children, just like your children, uh, you know, you're, you're in the middle and pretty soon you look around, where did they go? you got to run down and track them down and find them because they're not invested in getting that project completed. And so there's the idea there of obedience versus completing a task. And listen, uh, the opposite of that is true too, so we'll illustrate it this way. If a child has a school project and they come to their parent and they say, hey, mom and dad, I need help with this project. And it's legitimate help. They're not just trying to ask you to do their work for them. That happens too. But they legitimately need help. And so as a parent, you know what you do. You involve yourself in their project, and you're like, okay, you, you don't do the, the way the kid does. Can you hand me that pencil? What pencil? What's a pencil? You know, a colored pencil, a blue pencil, a black pencil. You, you understand what I'm saying? You're like, hey, we need pencils, we need tape. I'll, I'll gather some of these materials. You go gather the, 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 the stuff that we need and I'll gather these things. And you involve yourself in that project to accomplish that project. That is being like-minded. That is involving yourself in the same purpose to accomplish a task that you both want to see done. 
And so we understand that that is like-mindedness. Understand this, that God wants to use you in his task. And, and many times, sadly, just like a parent would ask a child to involve themselves, and then the parent has to continually dictate, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Many times, that is the way we as Christians act with God in that He says, hey, I've got a purpose, I've got a task that I want to see accomplished in this world. And many times as Christians, we're obliged to show up out of obedience because we are obedient. But we don't involve ourselves in the task. Hey, what exactly are we trying to accomplish? Or rather, let me rephrase that. What exactly is God trying to get done? And jumping in on that project with the same mind and the same purpose, saying, hey, this is the end goal of where I'm going and how we're going to do this, and I'm interested in serving God by jumping on His purpose and doing what He wants me to do. And we notice this. Listen, God does want to use you. What, what is one of the tests? I'll just say it this way. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Listen, the purpose of the church is threefold. It is obviously to evangelize the lost. It is to educate the saints. And then it is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's threefold. And so those three things, that is the purpose with which we ought to live our life, not simply out of obedience because God requires us to do these things, but rather recognizing, hey, this is the purpose that God has for for our church, and I want to get involved, and I want this task to be done, not because I want to just mark it off and complete it, but rather uh, that we would fall in line with what God is doing. And we need to understand and recognize that that is like-minded. That is having the same purpose. And really, it is inheriting God's purpose for our life. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter number 12. Um, I got verse number 2 down here, but at verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number 2 goes on and it says, and, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so in order to, uh, to, as I had said earlier, in order to delete our mindset and reprogram our minds to God's way of thinking, hey, listen, we have got to renew our minds. We've got to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? It's simple, kind of, reading the Word of God every day. I mean, we wake up, you wake up, I wake up, and, and we have purposes and we have goals when we wake up. Man, today I want to get the lawn mowed, I want to get this done, I want to get that done, and boy, we formulate our list and 
maybe after the first or second cup of coffee. We formulate our list and we get all of those things all fit and we're, we're figuring out, hey, what we're doing. But at that time, we need to pause and say, wait a minute. Okay, all those things are good and all those things I need to get done. But what does God want me to do today? And say, I need to be cognizant. I need to be aware of what God would have me to do. Now, don't neglect your yard and don't neglect taking care of your car because, well, I'm going to go do what I mean. God would have you to have uh, take care of your earthly possessions as well and not neglect those things. But the, the reality is, hey, we need to uh, put God first in our purposes and say, what does God want me to do? And how can I fall in line with the purposes that God has for my life? And listen, when all of us do those things, when, when we start to work together and we say we have a like-mindedness, well, we know what the purpose of God is. We want to live out those things. We want to obey God in those things. Then things all come together and there is a like-minded. He says there in verse number two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. That's having the same purpose. Notice the second thing. He says, having the same love. I wrote down having the same passion. The same passion. We're, we're to have the same purpose, but then we're to have the same passion about doing those things. What is your passion? There's a lot of things that we could name, I mean, that we may be passionate about. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to be passionate about other things. I'm not saying that uh, it's wrong to, to have those interests. But I'm telling you this, our first and foremost passion should and ought to be God in our life. That's our passion. And our purpose is to live for God and to serve God with our life. But we ought to be passionate about these things. Um, a lot of things that people get passionate about are uh, sports and fishing and hunting and golfing and basketball and bowling and cornhole and baseball and uh, all of these things. And, and listen, they're not wrong in and of themselves. I enjoy doing some of those things myself. But if they start to take the place of God, then we've got a problem. I remember, I remember in Bible college, um, a, a devotion that was given, and I know that was years ago, but I still remember it just as clear as day. And, and the guy that was giving the devotion, he, he played the piano. He said, I love playing the piano. He said, and playing the piano is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I can use it to glorify God. But if playing the piano becomes my God or my passion, it can be a bad thing. Even if I'm playing good godly music, it still can be a problem in my life. Because I'll use that to substitute uh, instead of reading my Bible, instead of obeying God. And my passion no longer becomes God, but my passion becomes uh, this thing or this object or this desire that I have in my life, and it replaces God in my life. And we've got to be careful about that. Matter of fact, our passion uh, can uh, come and go. And uh, l listen, uh, what about uh, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 4, remember the church at Ephesus, he said this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Listen, our passion 
ought to be for God. We ought to make sure that He has first priority in our life. What about when we start to lose our passion? I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Well, one of two things is going to happen. One, you're either going to start to separate from like-mindedness because you don't have the same passion. Or two, you're going to drag others with you. The example of that is Peter. You look at Peter and the disciples. They were passionate. Peter was passionate about Jesus Christ. God, if they kill you, hey, I'll go all the way to the cross with you. He was passionate. I believe he meant those words. I, I, I think that was the passion of his heart speaking. But, but when everything took place, uh, and really, ultimately, they crucified Jesus Christ, and he rose again from the dead, what did Peter say? I go fishing. And what happened to those other disciples that were just as passionate as Peter and saying, God, I'll go to the grave with you. I'll follow you. I'm not going to deny you. I am there with you. But when Peter said, hey, I go a fishing, I'm, my passion is waning, and I'm not seeing this playing out like I thought it would, and, and this is not working how I expected. And, and when he said that, listen, other disciples went with Peter. And they followed his passion. And I'm just saying that we got to be careful that our passion does not cool off. Or as the Bible says, that we don't leave our first love. And our passion stays towards God. Otherwise, we'll, <clears throat> we'll part from the unity of the church. And... Uh, not only that, but listen, we could potentially drag others down with us. And so we need to be careful. We need to have the same purpose. We need to have the same passion. <clears throat> Not only that, but notice here, he says, <clears throat> excuse me. He says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love. But then he says this. Being of one accord. <clears throat> I wrote down there, having the same plan. You know, you can have two people that have the same purpose, the same passion. But man, they go about things two different ways. I'll give you an example. You got two businessmen. And both of them have a desire to earn money and make a business that is established. There's nothing wrong with establishing a business. There's nothing wrong with earning money. Uh, and so that's their purpose. As long as that is not our, our full passion and we don't forsake God for those things, uh, that, that's their two goals. So we'll just state that, and that's their idea. <clears throat> the first businessman is probably what you and I would think about. He's the honest hard worker that will build his business on a slow and steady pace that eventually will turn into a profitable business. And what will happen, the end result was, he's got a business that's established, that makes money, that does well. The second businessman, he's not an honest, hardworking guy. Matter of fact, he wants to cut every corner that he can he wants to cheat and lie at every opportunity that he can so that he can gain money more rapidly. Now, the end result, you can do that. And you can end up with a lot of money. You can 
point to some people that have done that. And so both of them, they have the same purpose. Both of them have the same passion to do those things, but their plans are very much so different. And so as we think about these things, that we ought to have the same purpose, we ought to have the same passion, but we also must have the same plan to go about doing those things. And, uh, and, and really, obviously, uh, the idea is that we must do God's work God's way. You want to fill a church, I've, I've said this before, you want to fill a church, have a rock concert. That'll fill a church. But our purpose is not necessarily to fill a church per se. With uh, There's multiple ways you could fill a church that way. But that's not our objective. Our goal is to do what God has called us to do God's way. And it's not just about filling the church house and bringing a bunch of people into the church. But rather, as we said already, it is to evangelize the lost, to educate the saved, and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things that we would do to bring people in, hey, they ought to line up with God's Word. And so going about it in God's way is the ultimate express purpose uh, for doing all of that. And it's what we ought to be going at. He says here, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same purpose. And, and then he says, having the same love, having that same passion. But then he says, uh, being of one accord. In other words, hey, we ought to have the same plan and doing God's business, God's way has to be our principal priority. Just like the preacher said this morning, um, listen, the Word of God tells us. We just follow the Word of God in our life. And listen, it's so important that we recognize that and do that. And, and some of it, we need to educate ourselves. Some of it, we need to read the Word of God and understand what He would have us to do. But I'm just saying that we need to be on track with doing the same uh, job the same way that God would have us to do. And I want you to notice this, and I love this. Not only is it uh, having the same purpose, having the same passion, and having the same plan, which would be God's plan. But lastly, I want you to notice this. He says, in the very first part, fulfill ye my joy. Fulfill ye my joy. It's pleasing to God. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. And obviously, Paul was grateful to the Philippians when they worked together. It's amazing what can be accomplished when many people work towards the same task. It really is. I'll give you an example. I love, I love accomplishment. There is nothing like, uh, in my mind, there is nothing like getting a job and doing that job. And I don't care if it's, uh, man, if it's hanging drywall and mudding that room and stepping back and saying, man, I hung all that drywall, I mudded that whole room. I'm not much of a painter. That's not my forte. But if you're a painter, uh, man, after the mudder uh, hung the drywall and mudded it all, and, and then you come in, man, you paint all of that, and you say, man, that is nice to see that, that nice fresh coat of paint. 
maybe mow the lawn. And so you go out and, man, you mow the entire lawn and you step back. Man, I love looking at the fresh cut grass. I see something that I accomplish. Maybe it's baking and, and you say, man, I want to make this thing and this cake or these cookies or whatever it is. And so you take all those ingredients and you work at it and you get it done and you're like, wow, that's a great accomplishment. And it's enjoyable to do things like that. But when we look at the scope of the, the entirety of the job, it is far more greater than what you and I can accomplish by ourselves. What I'm saying is we need each other. As a church, God didn't call a church to be one, a one-man show. God never intended the church uh, to be one person that would do everything, but God, God expected the church to accomplish a great task all, all together, working together. Um, last March, I guess it was this March, a couple months ago, we went down to uh, the Wilderness Christian Camp. And, uh, and we worked down there, and, and some of the jobs that we did, and, uh, were, were, they were a large amount of work that went into the Wilderness Christian Camp. Day one, when we showed up, I, the first thing, Brother Jason was like, hey, uh, those guys are down in that field down there. They're cutting firewood. There's a bunch of trees that they had taken out, and, and the logs were laying there, and then we need them all cut up, split, and stacked as firewood. And so he said, why don't you go down there and work? So I went down there and I was, we were cutting firewood and, and stacking and doing things like that. And uh, after a little while, we had some other people came in and replaced us. And man, we didn't hardly make a dent in that, that stack of logs that were there. I don't know if there were 20 trees or, uh, that were, had been cut down and were just standing there. Uh, but uh, he said, hey, I, what I want you to do is I want you to go up on the roadside and there's a fence line up there and I want you to start taking that fence line out. So we went up to the fence line and we're busy taking that fence line out and uh, and other people were there and he said hey I, I, we this whole hillside it all needs raked and you need to rake all of this because we want to plant grass seed and so those people were raking and there was an entire house there that needed cleaned on the inside and out there were vines growing on the outside he said hey, I need all those vines taken out I need the inside cleaned and they were wiring it up so they could put uh, uh, washers and dryers in there and all of that and and there were parking blocks that needed needed to be laid out and established everywhere and pounded down. And, and what I'm saying is uh, it was a project that lasted a couple days and all of us were busy working on stuff. And the first day I did firewood and fencing. And then uh, the next day I, I thought, man, I'm going to go plant some grass seed. And so, man, I went out and I, I didn't have to rake all of that. And I'm grateful for that. But, uh, man, we had to throw grass seed everywhere and then cover it all with hay. And, and, and at the end of all of the work time, Man, it was, a lot of work was accomplished. There wasn't one job that I could look at and say, man, I did a lot, I got, I got this all accomplished. No, I worked a little here and I worked a little there and I worked on planting grass seed and I worked on uh, doing this and doing that. But when we went back and, and dropped off um, Christina, I think for camp, or I don't know why I was down there, but I went down there and, and man, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to see that grass growing. And when we drove in, I told my wife, there used to be a fence line all down through. There was a double fence line, and we took all of that out. That field used to have a big old pile of logs, and, and they're all caught up, uh, cut up, and they're all stacked way up there at the top, and, and, and all of that's firewood. And, and, and man, I, I didn't do all of it, but I had a part in some of that. 
And it was a great feeling to be able to say, man, this, this place looks great because a lot of people invested their time and labor and worked on different things and no one person accomplished one job in and of by themselves, but all of the people that were laboring together had a part in that and were able to say, man, it looks good. Matter of fact, I ran into the guy that helped me on the fence line. Uh, he's from Pennsylvania. Uh, or he He's from Ohio, rather, and, uh, and, and he was like, hey, brother, good to see you. I said, that fence line looks good. He said, I know. He said, it really does. He said, all this grass looks good, too. I said, yes, it does. And we were rejoicing in the accomplishments, not that we singularly had completed, but rather as a collective group had labored together to accomplish. Listen, what I'm saying is, as a church, when we labor together, we can accomplish stuff that no one individual could do by themselves. And you know what happens? Not only was I pleased, those three days, or how many ever they were, I tell you what, Brother Jason was pleased. He's like, man, you guys do not know how much work you did for us. And he, told, he said, I think one of the days, he's like, he was like, it would have taken me three weeks just to cut up the wood pile and split it. Here in three days, we had the wood pile cut, split, stacked. The fence line, he said, it would have taken me three weeks to remove the fence line. It would have taken me, and he went around and just named some place to, to rake all of that. And what I'm saying is, hey, if we labor together, it creates a great joy and it was pleasing for Brother Jason. Just as here in the Philippians, uh, Paul was saying, hey, uh, fulfill ye my joy. He was saying, hey, when you work together, when you labor together, it made the Apostle Paul very happy because he's saying, hey, uh, man, a great amount of work is being done and the Apostle Paul knew how much time it would take him if he were to labor himself and do all of those things. He's like, man, I couldn't have done it, but laboring together, we're able to do that. And he says, so fulfill ye my joy. But it's not just the Apostle Paul, as we heard this morning. Hey, these are the very words of God. And listen, there's nothing that makes God happier than doing his task and accomplishing his will in our life. And it's going to take more than just me. It's going to take more than just you. It's going to take us working together with a like-minded, having the same purpose to evangelize the lost, educate the saved, and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And having that as our purpose in our life as we go about our daily life. And then having the same passion and drive and desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in our life and saying, hey, I'm going to serve Him and, and I'm not going to live for myself and I'm going to make sure that my passion is the Lord Jesus Christ and then doing it God's way following his plan for what he wants in our life. Hey, ultimately, it's pleasing to God, and it makes him happy. I don't know about you, but I like to make my Heavenly Father happy and pleased with the things that we do. And he says this, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same purpose, 
having the same love, I, call, I put having the same passion, being of one accord, having the same plan of one mind. Verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we've got to follow God's plan for what we do. We've got to walk God's way. And ultimately, we can, we can see great accomplishments. We might not ever see it all altogether till we get to heaven. We might not know our full impact. Matter of fact, it's probably pretty safe to say we will not know our full impact till we get to heaven. You don't know the light. Just like the preacher said this morning, you don't know what neighbors are watching you. You, you don't know what impact you're having on people. I remember we... I know I've mentioned this before. We were getting ready to leave Peru. And, and in some aspects, I was like, man, I, I just didn't feel like I had accomplished enough. And the Lord started bringing people by. And I was just amazed. And one fellow, he, he had come to our church off and on. He didn't ever belong to, he never joined our church. He always went to another church. But he came to me and he said, he said, brother, he said, I, you don't know an impact, the impact that you made in my life. He's like, man, I, I, I was about to quit church and get out of church. But you were a blessing and help and an encouragement to me. And I thought, I never knew that. I never would have saw that. Other people came and said the same thing and, and things like that. And, and what I'm telling you is you don't know the impact and profound depth that you you may touch some other life because you don't always see it and you might not see the accomplishments but God's keeping track God knows what it is and someday in heaven boy you'll be like I didn't know that guy was saved I didn't know that guy was here I didn't know that and and you'll see accomplishments Maybe you had a part in. Maybe you left a track with somebody. Maybe you prayed with somebody. Maybe you encouraged somebody. Maybe you did something to help somebody. And you don't know where it went and what took place there. Maybe you had an impact. And what I'm saying is we need to live with God's purpose in our life. Having God as our passion and living following his plan for our life. That's pleasing to God. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, striving in unity. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, it's easy to get distracted in our life. It's easy to get off track. It's easy for our own selfish desires to creep up and God, for us to do what we want to do. God, I pray that you'd help us to have your purpose in our heart and our lives. God, to have you as our passion. What we truly desire to live for. Then God, help us to be knowledgeable of your plan. God, that our life could be pleasing to you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. 
Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Striving together in unity. I want to see God work. I want to see God do things. Sometimes we don't always see what God is doing. Don't, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get discouraged because you don't see results and you can't look back and say, man, the job isn't done or it's not complete or I don't see the accomplishments. Don't get discouraged. Just keep living out God's purpose, God's plan with passion and desire. Someday we'll see the great accomplishment that takes place.